All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to Footwork, a podcast for those who dream big, never settle, and make their own path. I'm Sean. And I'm Dylan. Together with guests, we share stories and tips every Monday to educate, inspire, and create a community built of soccer players and dream chasers. Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. All right, Johnny Campbell, welcome to Footwork. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Yes, sir. All right. So now, as a fellow center back, we're going to start this off with the start bench cell. We have Van Dyke, Ruben Diaz, and Rudiger. Who are you starting? Who's on the bench? Who are you selling? Van Dyke, starting, selling. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> the last two, I don't know. I don't know. Van Dyke is, is the man for me. <laughs> okay. I, f- I feel like 90% would say Van Dyke start, and then the last two would be like a toss-up. Yeah, I'd probably get rid of Rudiger. I'd probably get rid of Rudiger because he's, okay. he he's a really good center back, but I feel like he, I don't know, mentally sometimes he makes too many fouls and gets too yeah. many cards. A little over-aggressive. Yeah. I see. I, I see. Yes, for sure. All right, we'll we'll start with that. I like that one. Okay. Um. So our motto on this thing is p- pretty much make your own path. Um. Yeah. You know, you're not you're not following at what everyone else does. You're not following the stigmas of getting the nine to five if it does not fulfill you. So these normal routes. So what does making your own path mean to you? I mean, that's a that's a difficult question because I feel like everyone has their own path even if even the people that like you know go straight forward and like it seems like everything's given to them you know it definitely isn't like they just maybe they've had a bit easier of a path but they've still gone through like all the all the things even the you know guys like me have gone through um so yeah i think i think making your own path is so much about discipline and you know, just um, keeping focused and motivated and knowing where you want to be and, you know, have a plan to get there. Yeah, love that. Now, you went to uh, university in the U.S. and then um, you looked to make the jump into the professional game. Now, was that always your dream to play professional as, as a young kid or when did that when did you decide that this is something you wanted to pursue? Yeah, um, so as an American, my parents put me in every single sport growing up so I played everything but um football is obviously one that I started at like five or six and I just always loved and then at an age around like 12 or 13 is when I stopped all the other sports and was like okay football is what I want to do and like what I want to focus on so then I just started putting most of my energy into into football and then I knew I was a huge Arsenal supporter. That's like what what got me, you know, so into football was just supporting them, watching them growing up. So, um, yeah, I knew, I knew from a young age that I wanted to be a professional footballer as well. It's such an interesting thing. I talk to a lot of guys out here in Germany about how U.S. players grow up playing literally every single sport that our parents can throw us in. And it becomes that discussion of is it better for a young athlete to develop all of those skills and then bring it into a specialized sport, like starting with baseball, basketball, having all of these different types of movements to bring into soccer or to be specialized from a young age. 
in your opinion, do you think it helped you to become a better soccer player? Or do you think it would have been better to specialize younger? I think it helps you become a better athlete, maybe, mm. but definitely not a better footballer. I think that's probably a problem with the U.S., which is getting better now, is when I was growing up, you know, the education level and coaching level and all that, I feel like it was lacking a lot. The academy systems, like when I was growing up, it was like all traveling soccer. There, yeah. was, there, was, there was no real, like, there's maybe a few academies set up. So, mm. like, it was just basically – can you play for the best traveling team near your area and, you know, do well there. And that was kind of like your pathway to the college level. Mm-hmm. What was the, what was the soccer scene like there? In Tennessee? Yeah. Just, I mean, is it, was it popular amongst like, you know, what I know you said you grew up kind of watching Arsenal helped you a little bit, but I'm, I have to say there has to be bigger sports, especially with like, I mean, Tennessee college, Tennessee volunteers university, like, American football, things like this, Did those kind of dominate the, the sports scene. And it was playing soccer was kind of like the secondary thing to do. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm from the South. So it's American football, <laughs> uh, basketball, you know, all these types of things. Um, mm-hmm. But I will say that now that I'm older, I think football has grown a lot in the South as well. Like you got Nashville SC now in Tennessee, which is just you know, gets really good crowds, really nice yeah. new stadium. So there's a lot of professional teams popping up in the in Tennessee as well, which I love seeing because when I was going through the system, there was nothing, no one. Yeah. I always found too, even when I was growing up, I think we're just, we're three years younger than you, but the teams from the South, I always felt almost at a higher level than a lot of the teams from the North. We're both from New York, just because they could play full year round outside um, like the teams from Florida and Texas in, in particular, I felt yeah. that they were very, very strong in California as well. Um, North Carolina too. Right. North right. Carolina. North Carolina really yeah. Maryland too. I remember yeah. Maryland having a really strong teams. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, I mean, I wonder what that was, but I mean, now before we get into your story, I want to start with the recent you. Uh, so here you are American 30 years old in Cambodia of all places. Uh, just <laughs> so your cool. most recent match, man of the match performance. Congrats on that! Ooh, against the former team it. that they were undefeated at the time. Yeah, they're yep. they're undefeated now. Yep. We were this close to beating them. Yeah. <laughs> so, so walk us through the game. Walk us through that experience. Uh, like I said, you're an American in Cambodia. I mean, I I did play in Mongolia, so I have kind of an idea how it is to be like the alien in the world. Yeah, in their well, I eyes. didn't know you played in Mongolia. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. a whole nother podcast but yes it was a (laughs) very interesting experience yeah um there's some japanese players that played in cambodia that have like experienced mongolia as well so there's many japanese players there that's their like second home they're everywhere in southeast asia yeah yeah my 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 team right now four japanese and me i'm the only like foreigner foreigner (laughs) oh wow yeah yeah what's that like what's it like being like the you know, like Sean said, kind of being the alien. I mean, you're the you're the person who is the most different culturally from coming into a, a setting like this. Yeah. Um, well, honestly, I'm used to it because in 2017, Thailand was my first experience like that, like in Southeast Asia. And the team that I had, I played for there was completely Thai. Like the staff, 
and everything. So like, I just had to like try and learn Thai. So that was, that was the situation for me. That was the most like being an alien. Like we had two Africans were our foreign players and me and the Africans spoke like, okay, English. So I was like alone, but we had a few players that could speak decent, decent English. Um, but yeah, I was basically forced to just try and learn as much Thai as I could. Um, but yeah. And then now I'm in a similar situation because Cambodia, 2018, 19, 20, my staff had foreigners in it. So like mm -hmm. I had an English coach in 2018, Irish coach in 2019 and 2020. And then now in 2022, I have all Cambodian staff. So I'm back wow. in that, I'm back, in, back that, in that, uh, <laughs> that same, that same situation. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm used to it now. I don't really, I don't really notice it too much. And in Cambodia, unlike Thailand, I think more, more people speak English better. Mm -hmm. So I can kind of get away. I mean, I don't really, even though I've played in Cambodia for so long, I can um, get away with speaking English here more than I could mm -hmm. when I was playing in Thailand. What are the foreigner rules for each of the, for Philippines, Cambodia and Thailand? So they constantly change um, every year. They're always changing. But right now in Cambodia, I think it's you can have four foreigners and one Asian. So five total. Um, but some teams just go like all yeah, like my team, four Asians and one foreigner. So like it just depends what what the coaches want, like what players are available to them and, you know, who they choose to sign. Um, yeah, but that's basically it. So one has to be on the bench and mm -hmm. the four that are playing, if you're going to make a substitution, like it has to be for a foreigner. You can't just like sub in a, another foreigner and sub off a Cambodian. Like you have to sub off a foreigner whenever you put. That's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. So the refs have to kind of be like mindful of it too. I guess, well, everyone is, but just like to, it's, that's so funny. Like you couldn't bring in another person unless another foreigner comes off. That's, yeah. Imagine that was like that in like the Premier League, you know, like, uh, <laughs> yeah. no, like, wonder, you know, Thiago Silva I wonder, came off. So. I wonder what would happen if that happens. Like if a coach just like doesn't realize and he subs on a foreigner for a Cambodian, like, would you just lose the game or what? I don't, I don't know. Like what would the rule? Yeah, does that go straight to the there? forfeit? Like, I mean, I'd, they, I'd imagine yeah. like it, it wouldn't be, you know, like people would notice, you know. Yeah, it's like, what's like he doing? What's what's this coach yeah. doing? <laughs> right, right. You can't sub on the American for the uh, it'd be for a the good, British. What good are you doing? Delay the game, you know. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. Just make a scene. Cool. So let's go back then. Before we, I mean, I I'm really interested in your career in, in Southeast Asia. But let's go back coming out of college. Um, both Dylan and I play D three, so similar to us. It, there's uh, at the end of college, there's nothing. Um, yeah, you're stuck yeah. with combines, maybe connections here and there might have something. How was it for you coming out of college? Did you have any opportunities to play professional? Well, I was lucky. Our final year, we we had a really good season. So we won our conference tournament and then we went to like the big tournament. But every time we've been to the big tournament, we get put out in the first round. So <laughs> it was it was a good ending. And I, I had a really good senior season. Like I led our team in assists as a, I was playing outside back. Um, so I led our team in assists and had a really good season. And I thought maybe like as an outside back with my stats from that season, like I would have opportunities to go straight into the professional game. But little did I know 
that once you graduate, it's not that easy. So, um, yeah, just, I mean, I had to make my own path. So, um, yeah, I, there, I didn't really pursue anything in the U S because there wasn't really any opportunities other than, I think I tried to get into like back then it was the NASL combine. I was trying to get into that, but I didn't get accepted into that. So yeah, that was, that was basically, that was basically it after college I had to try and make my own path. Love Did it. you go uses, directly uses the slogan, right? Exactly. Love, love love that. Yeah. Did you go directly to Southeast Asia from, from college or did you bounce around in the U S before making the jump over there? Oh no, uh, I didn't go to Southeast Asia until 2017. So I graduated in 2013 mm-hmm. fall, fall of 2013. So 2014, I went to first, I went down to Miami to get games and stuff because one of my best friends is from there. So it's easy to play games in Miami, get good competition. A lot of, a lot of pros or former pros and stuff, stuff are like floating around down there. Um, and I had met a guy down there that knew had connections in Spain. So he sent, he like watched me for a while and was like, Oh, I think, I think you could definitely play, play pro and ended up connecting me with someone in Spain. And that's kind of like my first professional experience was going over to Spain and spending three months there with a, a team called Union Deportiva Alzira, which is uh, right outside of Valencia. And what was that experience like? Is that, how was the level there? How were the players there? The style of play? Was it completely different to anything you've seen before? Yeah, so that was my first taste of professional football. And um, yeah, the level was ridiculous. Like Spain, Spain football is, is really good. Um, yeah, that, the, team I was, the team I was with was actually like fighting to get into Segunda Bay. So like every year they're in, they were competing in Tercera. Now they're in Segunda Bay, but they're competing in Tercera. And every year they're always in the playoffs to go to Segunda Bay. So like they had a lot of really talented players. Like our goalkeeper had played for Villarreal before. Um, so it was just, no, it was, it was like a really good experience. And it really opened my mind to like how these guys train every day. Like they're fighting for their, you know, their salary and their money. Like I wasn't used to that. I was coming from college to where, I, you know, I can train however I want. And like, obviously I want to train good, but it's, you know, I'm not getting a paycheck at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, it was a different intensity and a different level of training that I got exposed to. So that was, that was really good for the start of my career. Was there any opportunity to play with them or why was it just the, the training? I don't know. So honestly, this, this part was a really weird situation. So the agent that hmm. put me there, um, I was actually living with two other Americans. So they were in a different club um, in Valencia and I was in that club. And I stayed with them for three months. And it, it was a weird situation because I was like with them. I've traveled to away games. I'd be at every every home game. I'd be at every training. It was like I was like a member of the team, but I couldn't play in games. Like I had no work permit, no, nothing mm-hmm. done with like a visa or anything. So I was basically a part of the team, but not part of the team. But I was wow. fortunate. I was fortunate to be with that team because they treated me like family. Like I was doing everything like everything with them away trips. I'm like um, doing the fitness and everything before the match, like on the pitch with the players that aren't going to play. And then, you know, I watch the team and support the team. Like 
you know, all the other like reserve players that mm -hmm. aren't in the squad. Interesting. So you were just there on a tourist visa. And when that ran up, you had to go. Yeah, basically. I mean, I, I've like kept asking the agent the whole time. I was like, so what's happening? What's happening? Like, like, am I going to like get to play for them and stuff like that? Are we going to sign for them and stuff like that? And they're like, oh, I really like you. And like talking about like visa stuff, but it was like always a weird, I don't know. It was always a weird dynamic. It was like, mm -hmm. it was like, he didn't know what he was doing, but just did, wanted to did, keep me there. <laughs> did you pay? Did you have to pay the agent? No, I didn't pay him anything. That's even more interesting. Yeah, if, he, was if there was money yeah. involved, then I could be like, oh, you know, these, there's a reason why a guy can be weird. No. But that's so interesting. I mean, I had to pay for like my apartment and stuff like that, but yeah, I didn't have yeah. to pay the mm -hmm. agent anything. Wow. Mm. Huh. You spoke on um, some of the mentality things that you learned, just like how these guys were pursuing it and treating it like a job and everything like that. On a personal level, do you feel like there was anything that you took from this experience that really helped your your game to bring to your next, um, you know, next opportunities? On a personal level, like. Yeah, like skill level, tactical level, bringing things to your game specifically. Mm, I'd say what I learned the most was about the mentality part of the game. What, I mean, there was obviously a lot of good players there and stuff, but um, the coach kind of, he, he played me in a lot of different positions. Like I played some outside back, I played some winger. Um, like he actually liked me in more attacking positions. So it was, I don't know, I was being thrown in like to, <laughs> you know, even like <laughs> a, a striker position sometimes. So I, I don't know. It was, um i'd say probably skill skill wise and stuff maybe just speed of play and stuff like that but um mostly you know the mentality part of the game is what i picked up most from that mm -hmm. learning how to be a pro right for sure and that you're you're fighting for food on the table which is uh yeah. completely different than what we're used to in college exactly and you leave spain and you come back to the u.s and yep, still looking to play in the u.s yeah, so I came back into the U.S., and when I came back, um, some friends that I had from PDL, which is USL League 2 now, um, they were playing in this new league called American Soccer League, I think it was his name. Uh, mm -hmm. And there's a team called Philadelphia Fury that my friend was at, and he invited me, or he was like, yo, we need you, come, come play here. And so he connected me with the boss there, and I ended up signing there straight away as soon as I came back. So that was like my first, I guess, contract and professional experience um, in the U.S. And how was that level compared to with the team you were training in Spain? Was there a big difference, a big adjustment mentality, um, skill-wise? Yeah, de definitely, definitely. Like the Spain, Spain experience was like just, di just different level, like positioning, everything, skill-wise, um, speed of play, all that. Was that frustrating for you at all? Just seeing like this level that maybe you could have been at and felt, you know, at home with, and then to come, I mean, still a great contract, professional contract, but did that frustrate you at all? That it was like, I was playing here with these guys. I'm playing maybe a little lower with these guys now. Uh, no, not really, because I was just happy to sign my first contract yeah, and like yeah. being focused again on like, you know, what the task is, which is like to just continue to make, positive steps in the right direction like so that was that was my start so I was just happy happy to be there and happy to be playing 90 minutes every game mm -hmm. 
And did you stay with the Fury for for more than one season? No, I actually stayed with them for only like half a season. I played, I think like six or seven games there. And then um, that was, I think I signed with them. I don't know if I signed with them like for the ending of the season or if I signed with them for like the first half of the season. I don't, I don't remember exactly because it was so long ago, but um, then the USL was starting up in two, or 2015 was like when the USL teams were in preseason. So um, I had like, from the Philadelphia Fury video and my college video that I had combined, I had like some opportunities with um, Seattle Sounders. So their second team, which their head coach was Ezra Hendrickson at the time. He's now the head coach of the Chicago Fire, but he was like super interested in me, invited me into Seattle Sounders. Um, and then I was also supposed to go to Real Monarchs, which is Real Salt Lake second team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was supposed to go there first, but then Ezra like, um called me and was like no like you're coming here so I ended up going to Seattle Sounders but um unfortunately I stayed with them for a for about a month in preseason there was like 42 players there they kept cutting people all the way down to like it was like 18 left and like we we were told that 18 we're all gonna sign and then they cut it again to 13 and then once I cut it to 13, I'm still there. And I'm like, okay, for sure. Like it's done. Like I'm, I'm going to sign now. And then they cut it one more time to like seven or eight players. And I was in that final cut. So like, Oh my God. I was, I was like that close to signing mm-hmm. a contract in the Seattle Sounders organization for 2015. Wow. And what did that feel like? Because it seemed like the coach, you know, did everything to try and get you there. You were taken away from another opportunity and then to kind of get that final cut. What was that feeling like? Well, honestly, it was surprising because we had played a game before that I got cut um, and I had an assist in that game and we won that game, I think like 4-2 or something like that. And Ziggy Smith was actually there watching the game. And then the next day I get called into the office and get let go. So, like, I was really surprised because, you know, as an outside back getting an assist and, like, winning, you know, winning the match, like, you think, like, oh, I've done enough. I've done enough. Like, it's it's a done deal. But um, I think my problem in Seattle was the start of my career or the start of my professional career, I was playing in college as well. I was playing left back, and I'm right-footed. So, in college, I was playing left wing and left back. And even in the professional game, when I was at Fury, I was playing, I I was playing center back at the Fury. But then once I went to Seattle Sounders, they had watched my video from college, which was left back. So they're like super interested in me as outside back. And, you know, I just played left back the entire time I was there for like a month. And I think I did well, but at the end of the day, most coaches want a left footed left back. They don't want a right footed left back. So I'm okay with my left foot, but I'm not like, you know, my right foot's my dominant foot. So I like to cut stuff back on my right foot and whip, whip it in or, you know, go to my right foot a lot. So I think that was like the ultimate, like, like the deciding factor, but they also let the right back go as well. So like we were two of the last cuts, which was kind of like, I don't know. It was hard. I mean, it was hard to take at the time, right. but you keep going. Right. I mean, it's the harsh reality too. It's that it's a game of opinions. So sometimes you know, in this case, they might not have ever been looking for an outside back. And mm-hmm. even though you made it so far in the end, they don't take you. And sometimes it doesn't make sense. 
but we talk about it all the time. These, these trials that can be weeks long wind up setting you up for success in the future because this professional game is often filled with you have to go on trial and prove yourself in maybe just one day, maybe a week. Um, and all these quote-unquote failures um, strengthen you for the, for the important ones down the road. Now, how did you take this and bring this to your next opportunity? Well, I mean, it was difficult at first because obviously I was gutted. I thought it was thought it was a done deal and everything. Um, but yeah, once I regrouped myself, I had to just think about like what the plan was. I knew I wanted to play. I knew I knew like, you know, you have to take a step back and look at yourself and like analyze yourself, analyze your game, analyze like, are you at the level? Are you not like what do you need to do to get to the level? Um, and, you know, I had to step back and had to be like, okay, I know, I know I'm good enough. I know I can play at this level. And I just had to start shooting out emails being like, oh, I've, I've been with Seattle Sounders too in preseason, um, for like over a month, um, looking for another opportunity. I had to send like a lot of emails out to USL teams to try and get another opportunity. And eventually uh, Charlotte Independence ended up inviting me in for a two-week trial. And after that two weeks, I ended up signing for Charlotte Independence in the USL. Very nice. We talked, there's a, there's a saying by Jocko um, that's like extreme ownership. I think it could have been very easy for you or for any player to just kind of fall into this trap of, you know, blaming them for not taking you. And maybe that was the case in the first week or so when you had to try and regroup yourself. But instead, I think it's a great thing for younger guys, younger players to learn is that you kind of took a look in the mirror and said, okay, am I good enough? Yes. What do I need to work on some stuff? Yes. Like let's get better and let's learn from this opportunity and then get right back at it and email clubs. I think that's a great thing for young players to kind of take in and, and use because there's so many times when someone's going to tell you no, we need to use those opportunities as ammo. You knew you could play at this level because you yeah. did well. You were getting assists. You've played with, you know, great players. So it wasn't a question of, can I do it? It's just, when am I going to do it? Let's, let's get back on. Yeah, for sure. And I think one of the main things is even nowadays, things I do when I'm playing is I'm analyzing my video every single game. I'm cutting my video and I'm watching it. There's always stuff you can learn. There's always stuff that, you can see in your game, like mistakes you make, good things you do, all these things. You have to analyze your game constantly because I feel like that's one of the best ways you improve is by watching yourself play in the match. Absolutely. I mean, Dylan and I are both huge fans of that, analyzing everything, always looking to improve. And and uh, with you getting cut as well, it's like a big part of this game too is it's not, um, it's not a matter of if it's going to happen, but it's where and when. What coach, yeah. you know you're good enough. It's just a matter of finding the right fit and and what coach believes in you and what coach doesn't. That's okay. But if you keep pushing and keep look searching and emailing teams and doing everything you can, eventually it'll work out. For sure. No, I, I completely agree with that. And how did it go at Charlotte? Charlotte, Charlotte was a learning experience. Um, <laughs> this, the same coach that was my coach in 2015 is still the coach now. Mike Jeffries. Um, he likes experienced players. He likes like the, or at least when I was there, he like really 
would put his faith into like the experienced guys who have been in the league, who have had, um, you know, a lot of games under their belt and stuff. So there's about four or five of us straight out of college or like very little pro experience. And we kind of just, you know, played in the, the friendlies they'd set up outside and just kind of, you know, we were there and we were part of the team and we were, you know, playing, but we didn't really get a look into the, you know, first eight or first 11. So, um, yeah, we were just kind of on the outside trying to break in the whole time. But I was really fortunate because while I was there, um, a guy named Troy Lesane, who's now New York Red Bulls assistant coach, he, um, he was the assistant coach for us at Charlotte Independence. And he was like really top, just a top coach and like taught you so much and spent so much time with you. And um, yeah, I think he really helped develop my game while I was at Charlotte Independence. Mm -hmm. And he helped all of us that were, you know, not as experienced as all these other guys that had a lot of games in the league. He helped all of us grow a lot, I think, because of, you know, his awareness of our situation and just helping us improve every day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you make, um, I mean, then this comes back to networking, networking, networking. You eventually go to back to Miami, uh, just a PDL team uh, to keep playing. And you meet up with someone from the Seattle Sounders 2 trial who has a connection somewhere in the world. And that is the beginning of this new journey outside of the U.S. Please dive into that. <laughs> okay, so after Charlotte Independence... I was actually planning on staying with Charlotte Independence the next season because I was kind of like on that line to where like, did they want to keep me for extra season or did they want to like go in a different direction? Um, but unfortunately they decided to, well, not unfortunately because, you know, look at my path now, but like at that moment, at the unfortunately, time, yeah. Yeah, yeah, at the time, unfortunately they decided like not to keep me. So um, I had to try and look for another USL team and, you know, it was hard because um, coming coming from, even though I was in a USL team, like not having the experience in the league and stuff like that, not getting regular games, it's always going to be hard to like sign that next contract. So I failed to sign in the USL again in 2016. So I went to Miami and played for FC Miami City, get games and stay fit and, you know, kind of evaluate my situation and see – where the next opportunity would be. Um, and after so many games there, one of my friends called me from Seattle Sounders uh, preseason. We actually both got let go in Seattle Sounders. Um, and he had played, I think he played for like Kitsap Pumas or something like that. So he was playing the same as me, um, USL League Two. Um, but he had played in Thailand professionally before. So he was going back over and was just like, yo, brother, you want to, you want to like go over to Southeast Asia and, um, you know, try and break into, into Thailand and see if we can, you know, get our career going again there, uh, professionally. And I was, I was like, I have not heard anything, any better idea right now. So I just, <laughs> I actually left, um, FC Miami city before the season was finished and, uh, went over there and just started, started making connections and making, as you all say, your own path um, over, over there without knowing anything, didn't know anything about Southeast Asia, like no education about that part of the world whatsoever, but just went off what my friend told me. And like, he enjoyed it a lot when he played pro there. So I felt like I had to, 
had to give it a go and see how it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was that like explaining to, you know, like the, the family, the friends, everything like, oh, I'm going to go to Thailand now. I mean, my, my dad's like such a cool guy. He's always like my biggest supporter and such a like chill. He just wants me to be happy. Um, so, and he, he was in the army for four years. So he traveled a little bit. Um, he was like stationed in Germany and stuff. So like, he told me that, yo, you need, like, you need to travel like why you're especially while you're at this age before you have to be like focused and have a job and he was just all for it he was like go you know go go see the world so yeah he's he's like my biggest supporter and he was super cool and you know behind me 100 percent. that's crucial to have that support system and uh how did you wind up getting a trial with a team um you you do wind up going on trial as a striker which is another funny story um (laughs) Yeah, I signed as a striker. Happened? I signed as a striker. Oh wow, yeah. that's truly yeah. make your own path, man. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I Charlotte Independence actually they put me at center back. So I went to Charlotte Independence at outside back, and they changed they changed me to center back because they're like, okay, your best position center back, um, and that's where I stayed the whole time I was at Charlotte Independence. So when I when I went over to Thailand, um. I was, I was playing center back, but then no one like couldn't find any opportunities at center back. Like it seemed like nobody was looking for a foreign center back, but loads of teams were looking for foreign strikers. So it's like, all right, let's give, (laughs) let's change this and let's give it a go. (laughs) And fortunately, like I have a, I have a bit of pace. So I like get in behind teams a lot. So I would just be making through runs and like getting one v one situations and then miss. <laughs> <laughs> Do everything Obviously, and then I'm like, oh, I've never been instinct. here. Yeah, <laughs> I can make the runs from playing center back. I always watch strikers and like pick up on the runs and stuff. So I like I have a good idea of like runs I can make. Center backs won't like and stuff like this. So I'd always get into good situations, but it's like the end product is not there for me to be a striker. <laughs> that's so funny i just i picture you just like on the cv too just with a little white out like just changing center back to strike <laughs> well actually you know it, my, my, paper C, my cv in southeast asia was like uh main position center back alternate striker i've never seen that for a second position <laughs> yeah it's amazing <laughs> hey man throw van dyke up there see if he could score a few they do yeah. at the end of the games <laughs> exactly. sean, sean was sean when when mongol when he was in mongolia the team was down sean would be the first one they throw up there yeah just, and know, it worked so team. hey yeah, hey i it. get thrown up there too yeah all the i get thrown up there all the time we're we're, we're chasing the game at the end of the match to so like go forward like yeah. win some headers flick on some headers or whatever yeah. hey, it works so always, there's yeah, something it's always it. fascinating and to it's so it's much always fun. fascinating to me like, what is your guys' mind state when, like, it's like those minutes and you're like playing center Freedom. back this whole time, grinding out? And now they're like, now they're like, yeah, they take the shackles off and you guys run up. Exactly. Is that the feeling is like just complete freedom? Oh, yeah. I want that. I want so that much freedom. fun. <laughs> Put exactly. me up top. <laughs> I try to play striker in training all the time. I'm like, oh, you, you're with the defenders. I'm like, nah, I'm going this way with the strikers. <laughs> <laughs> hey it says it on my cv you can you can check (laughs) i have history so you wind up um you wind up signing in tie league three which is there the third tier there yeah uh, one day before the transfer window closed so you you waited to the last minute and as a striker 
Um, yeah. So the reason I waited so long to sign was because I was actually with the Thai League One team for like over a month there on trial, and they had already signed their center back, and I was I was trying to sign as a striker for them, and you know from the experience I had, it was just wasn't like they didn't they don't even recognize at least back then like coming from the U.S. Like even though I had played at USL level, they didn't really recognize that. They're just thinking like oh an American like. So there's very small chance that I was going to sign Thai League One because that's like the best league in Southeast Asia. That's like mm-hmm. the league you want to play in is Thai League One. So like towards the end of the transfer window, I was lucky enough to have this Thai League Three team that signed me without – they didn't even see me. They just signed me because I had been with the Thai League One team and the coach knew me and like was like, this guy's a good player. He'll work hard for you and, you know, help your team. And, yeah, so I signed – straight straight with them as a striker how is that level i mean it's a third division in thailand but the things you hear about thailand is like you know teams could have money or something like this teams could yeah. be wanting to get promoted so what is exactly. like the level like there and the professionality what is what is that like um it depends it's exactly what you said it depends on the team if okay. teams are going for promotion they're throwing money at it they'll have like thai league one thai players in their team and like have good foreign players on good money because they're just like ambitious and they're just trying to get promoted and then you'll also play teams that don't have as much money and they'll just be like teams that will kick you all game and and like not be as good of good of a football team so you, you go through a lot of that, especially in Thai League 3. Like, your top teams there will be spending loads of money, and then, like, your bottom teams are just really bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, just kick the crap out of you for 90 minutes. Yeah. And did so you have be any... a lot of... The... Go ahead, Sean, sorry. Do you have any success playing as a striker? Well, as I was there... So, in Thailand, it's a bit weird because they have to trust you and like me signing without them seeing me, they didn't trust me. So like I came in there and I was like coming in as a sub. So I was on the bench as a foreign player and just coming in as a sub and like, they started to trust me more and more. They gave me a, they gave me a game in the league cup to start. And um, I scored a goal that got called back because of a foul or something for us. So if they just played like kept playing on, I would have scored like a beautiful goal, but they didn't play on. So it got called back. Um, and then, so after that, they started trusting me more and I started getting more time as a striker. But our team was – I signed, like, the – the there was already, like, three or four games played already. So I signed after the season had started, and our team was doing so bad. I think we were in – there's 14 teams in the league. We were in 13th place. And after six games, um, I told the, the boss because he – he started to open up more to me and like me more the more they saw me play. And I was like, listen, like change me to center back. That's my main position. That's the professional position I played in the U S and let's see like how we do. And as soon as they did that, I think it was our seventh game of the season. Then uh, I think we won two or three, zero kept it, kept our first, I think it was the first clean sheet of the season. And then that's when it all changed. I just stayed center back the rest of the season. And we went from 13th place. And I think we finished that year at like, sixth or seventh so like mid table mm-hmm. um but yeah it was it was a really good experience and it ultimately set up my southeast asia career like having a having a good season with them yeah yeah and uh, i wanted to touch on too is that um when you're playing in southeast asia in these countries you have a lot of pressure to perform as the foreigner 
Oh, yeah. There's no, um, you know, there's no feelings. Basically, is like you're the foreigner. You have to play. You have to be the best player in the field every game, no matter what. And if we lose, yeah. it's your fault. Essentially, that's how they look at it. How did you handle this pressure? Well, I was fortunate enough to in Thailand, yes, because my staff is all Thai, and you know, you have to like you're looked at as a foreign player and if things aren't going wrong, then they're also looking for a scapegoat. Oh, it's mm-hmm. our foreign players aren't good enough. Um, but fortunately in Cambodia, I had foreign staff 2018, 2019, 2020. So like they don't look at it the same. Um, but um, now I'm experiencing the same thing, which fortunately since I've signed for the new team I'm with, we've had three draws in the three appearances I played, um, but we need to start winning or else I'll start getting blamed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, that, that pressure is always there. I mean, even with, when you have a foreign staff, you're, you're always expected to perform so high because, you know, there's four foreign spots per team. The foreigners are the ones making not always the most money because some, some of the local players that are with national, the national team or whatever, they can make good money as well. But like most likely you're making the most money on the team. So you're expected to perform at the top level every single game. Mm-hmm. And so did you, I mean, you, you said you kind of helped turn the team around. Was that your idea? Like, obviously you want to be a team player, but just to think on a personal level, like if I perform well here, that's going to set up my next contract. And how did that come about? Yeah, hundred percent with, with the Thailand team. As soon as I changed the center back and started playing, I knew like, after I was getting video and stuff like that, I was like, oh, I'm definitely like I'm starting to get um, more people watching me, more people asking me, oh, what are you doing next season and stuff like that. And honestly, I probably should have stayed in Thailand because I had two clubs that got promoted from uh, Thai League 3 that were like pretty interested in me. So I could have probably went Thai League 2 if I stayed for 2018. But I don't know. I was just I wanted to play in a top league. So I actually had a trial in Myanmar. So I was in Myanmar's top league with Yangon United for two weeks. And that, that actually, it was going really well. But the final, like I played three matches there. Two games went really well. I thought I was signing for sure. And then the final match we played, like, it was like some Japanese team. It was like all the best players from J-League. I don't know, something, J-League 3 or J-League 4, but it was, like, all the best players, like, put into a team, and they're, like, traveling around playing teams in Southeast Asia. And we got beat that game, like, I don't know. It wasn't good. It was, like, 3-2 or something like that. And it was – for some reason, Yangon put all, like, trial players on. So it was just all trial players. Like, none of the first team um, Myanmar players playing with us. So the game was so difficult because there was no chemistry or anything. And then after that, every foreign player got let go. Wow. We lost, we lost, we lost that game. So they were just like, no, these, these guys aren't good. <laughs> Jeez. It's like but feeding you to Lions, man. Yeah, the two games before that, we play like me and Martins and we win. And like everything's good. Like, oh, these, these guys are good. And then we play like, you know, the Japanese team and lose. And they're like, oh, out. See ya. <laughs> yeah. So then Incredible. after that, I ended up signing – I knew a coach from Thailand um, that w- that had got a job in Cambodia, and he he wanted me to come play for him. So that's I ended up going straight to Cambodia after Myanmar. 
And that's into the that's into the uh, Cambodian first league, right? Their their top yeah. league. Yeah. Yeah, I'd signed for the team with the most history, but they're going through like not they had some bad seasons like 2000 I don't know, 16 and 15 or 2016 and 17, they weren't they didn't do so high and so I I signed 2018, so it was kind of like trying to get back to glory because this team has won the league the most in Cambodia. It's Phnom Penh crown. Um, but yeah, we, we, we didn't have a great season either. We ended up finishing, I think we finished like fifth. So wasn't, it was a bit higher than mid table, but not great for a team with that much history. That's won the league the most. Right. And how was that level compared to the Thai league three? Because Thai, um, Thai is obviously a very strong country in terms of football. Um, Cambodia, not, not as so, not as much. Yeah. Um, yeah, the thing with Cambodia is it's like grow, it's growing a lot every single year. I'd say back then it was probably similar to the top teams in Thai League Three and like probably some Thai League Two teams. It was probably a similar level, mm-hmm. um, but now I'd say the level level is going up quickly in Cambodia, which is really nice to see. So, um, yeah, I'd say probably higher Thai or like mid to higher Thai League Three teams and like probably Thai league two, some Thai league two teams that's how they would mm-hmm. compare if you know if you know like a lot about thailand right mm-hmm. um, and after that first season um i heard it on when you were on uh, rick fitz podcast that you kind of had a decision to make between staying in cambodia with a team potentially with a coach that really wanted you who did his homework on you or yeah. going to and taking a smaller contract versus going to malaysia and taking or looking for a bigger team bigger contract but on a team potentially where they're not so interested in you, or maybe you're going to have a bench role or um, maybe not even play at all. There's kind of yeah. that, that balance between pursuing, you know, a smaller contract, but someone that trusts in you and know that, you know, you're in their plans versus, you know, something that's open-ended that might not be anything. Yeah, for sure. The coach, the coach that had done his homework on me is now probably, he's known as like the top coach in Cambodia now. Um, but yeah, that, that season, 2018, his team finished sixth, my team finished fifth. So he was also looking to, you know, bounce back from a terrible season and to prove that he was the coach, the man for the job or whatever. Um, and yeah, I was in, I was in, I actually went to Malaysia on trial and the coach really liked me there and he kept asking me to stay, but you know, some of these countries and some of these coaches, they just like, like, oh, stay, keep staying, keep staying. You never know if you're going to sign or not. And then, like, one, you could do one thing, one mistake or something wrong, and then they're like, oh, we don't want you. So it's always a risk staying there. But, like, um, my plan always was to play top league in, in Cambodia, and then I wanted to go to, like, Malaysia Super League or uh, Indonesia's top league because these leagues are, like, leagues where there's a, there's a good salary, good fans, good, like – infrastructure in place already um so that was kind of like my plan going to cambodia um but yeah having that coach we met at a cafe and just telling me he knew everything about me watched so many games was just like um done he did his homework and having someone tell you that is just you know you feel inside you're like i want to play for this coach because he's done his homework he knows he knows like my strengths, my weaknesses, what I can give him, like, and he wants me. 
So yeah, it, it was it was a pretty easy decision after being in Malaysia on trial. And the, the the coach in Malaysia was like, "Please stay." And I was like, "No, I've got a contract ready for me in Cambodia. Like, if you don't want to sign me now, then I'm out." And I just left, went back to Cambodia. You mentioned that before, like you said that I think South Southeastern Asia teams they need to trust you. And I feel like on this thing, like you felt that trust and it made you feel like I could be comfortable here and really work on my game and really help the team do something. Yeah, for sure. And in 2018 with Phnom Penh Crown, we had some problems with foreign players where like they weren't performing at the positions they were signed in. So I, I was playing center back where I was signed at, but then I ended up having to play striker for like five or six games because our foreign striker wasn't scoring goals. So I was thrown up top again <laughs> for like five or six games. And I didn't, I didn't do great. I mean, I did fine. Like I performed fine on the field, but you know, you want your striker to be scoring goals. I had one goal and one mm-hmm. assist and like five matches as, as a striker. So it wasn't a great return, but I was just trying to do my best for the team. Um, but thankfully he had, he had watched me as a center back and he knew what he was getting, like bringing me in as a center back. So um yeah, it's good to have, you know, a coach like that, that does their homework and that wants you for the, you know, your main position. Right. Mm-hmm. And did you stay with this club for more than a season with this coach? Yeah, I stayed. I stayed with him for two, two seasons and we went 25 games unbeaten in 2019, right after the wow. year that, yeah, right after the year in 2018, he finished sixth. I finished fifth with my club. And then 2019, we win the league and go 25 games unbeaten. Like, uh, I think most unbeaten record in, in this, this country. So I think it still is, still is today the, the biggest unbeaten run. So, yeah, it was, it was amazing. Such a great decision. Best, yeah, <laughs> best really. decision best in my decision. career right there. Yeah. yeah. What is, what is that like winning a league and, like what, what were the celebrations like? What was the, the vibe around the team and the, the owners and everything? Hopefully there was a win bonus of some sort. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, everything, <laughs> everything was awesome. Um, but it was kind of weird because players weren't that excited. So it was like me and we had an English guy on my team and like we had won we won the league with like three games remaining because it was just, we had that good of a season. And um when we won the league, me and the English guy are just like, yeah, like we're so happy after the game. <laughs> and you see all the Cambodian players and like other foreigners just like, like not like nothing happened. It's like, we just won the league. Do you not understand? Like <laughs> it's oh, like we're the champions. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It was, it was kind of weird because when you're that, when you have that good of a season and you're like that above people, yeah it kind of isn't the same feeling as like a close, a close league to where you're like barely one. Um, So, I mean, it was still a great feeling. I was loving it. And then after, once we had one game left in the season, then the celebration started and like every, it started to sink in and everyone Mm -hmm. started to like celebrate that we won the league, but we actually won the league three games before the season was even over. Dominant. Amazing. Dominant is right. And so even after this season, you decided not to stay with this team. No, I stayed with them the next season. Okay, and then the okay, next season yeah. you made the next move. And where did you did yeah. you stay in Cambodia? I signed in Philippines in 2021. Nice. So, so that was new country. Yeah, that was 
that was my first 2020 i signed with the same team we played afc cup which is like europa league for Mm -hmm. for southeast asia uh, or for asia football Mm -hmm. um, which was amazing experience and that's where the philippines team they were in our group and they saw me play there and that's how i ended up signing in the philippines in 2021 so during during all of these things, I mean, you're bouncing around Southeast Asia a bit. Um, do you have an agent working with you? Or are you handling everything by yourself? I know like they see you if they played against you and things like this. So there's a good opportunity for exposure, it seems like, in this area if you're playing well. But were you handling everything solo? Yeah, so I have been very fortunate through my career to – Almost all my contracts I've signed in Southeast Asia have been from me playing and coaches watching me or GMs watching me and contacting me directly and having not having to, you know, pay an agent fee or an agent getting an opportunity for me. Although I know I do know loads of agents, especially in this part of the world, Southeast Asia, but I haven't I haven't had to work with any of them or none of them have gotten me a deal. So. I've basically done all my deals myself in this part of the world. And I've been here for five years, going on six years. So right. yeah. letting the game, letting the game speak. Yeah. 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 I've been really fortunate, but that's the good part about being over here is you play well, you perform well, you make good, good videos of, about yourself. Then you can start making those connections yourself to where like, you just can go direct and you don't have to don't have to have an agent but do but most people still have agents i'm kind of like a i don't know i guess a weird case i just like doing everything myself and i don't like having a don't like having an agent like being able to i don't know put his hands into my salary mm. hey no one likes Makes that sense. <laughs> you don't need it. Yeah. <laughs> but they do negotiate the good thing about agents usually they can negotiate yeah. better for you like money and stuff like that but you know i think if if you can do most of that stuff yourself and you can take care of yourself. And if you have someone that can also help you with that, um, that, you know, maybe won't charge you anything or is like a friend or something like that, then it's perfect. Yeah. Are you asking guys like, kind of like, how do you get a feel for what people are making and what you deserve, you know, coming into a market? I mean, you bet you were, you've been there for some time, but especially in the early stages when making your contracts, like how did you learn about these things that were needed to make it, solidified yeah so the salary stuff salary stuff you don't really um look too much into you kind of know what people are making throughout the league uh Mm -hmm. foreigners wise um but for me it's more of like getting i guess like fifa lawyers or or like really close friends to look over stuff for me to make sure everything's all right but probably shouldn't say that because i don't think anyone's supposed to look at your contract other than yourself but I always, I always want to be a hundred percent. So I always have someone helping me with that, with that part of it, because I think it's important not to sign something that, you know, they're going to mess you up on, which I haven't had any clubs try to do that to me, but I've heard stories of like, you know, contracts to where they'll put little things in there that, you know, can mess you up. Right. Like if they want to, they want to cancel your contract for some reason or, um just little little things that they can like just put in there that shouldn't be in there so yeah i like to have you know people i trust Mm -hmm. really well to look over my stuff for me totally totally 
I know you got to go soon, but um, before we touch on the Philippines and back to Cambodia, what are some of the biggest takeaways you've learned about moving outside of the U.S. to pursue to pursue football? Um, you know, kind of making a new career or a new name for yourself, number one, and also just cultural differences living in a part of the world where, first off, English isn't the first language and they culturally live completely different than what we're used to. Like, wait, wait, sorry, you kind of, the video kind of went, what, what did you say exactly? So what are, what are some of the biggest takeaways you've, you've learned from moving outside of the U.S. to pursue football? All right, I got you now. Um, well, performing, one, you got to perform as a foreign player. You got to be on top of your game. You got to make sure you're taking care of yourself. Um, I've seen a lot of foreigners over here that fall off because they like to go out too much or they like to not be as professional and they perform well for a certain amount of time, but then they start to fall off because of their lifestyle because it's easy to get sucked into that over here because, you know, you have all your foreign friends and stuff that want to go out and, you know, have fun and enjoy. And over here, a lot of people know you, they come up to you, they, you know, take pictures with you. You're, they call you idol. They, so like being professional and um, really performing every game is a big key to it. And then I'd also say like just being a good person and being kind to people, um, you know, being respectful to the culture and everything. That's, that's a huge part of it because people here, if you respect, if you show respect and you're a kind person, then they'll love you and, you know, they'll treat you like, an you know, and you'll, you'll love, you'll love your experience over here. So I've been fortunate to, I was raised by, you know, I had my father's really good, really good role model and my grandmother as well, who also taught me like a lot of things about life, selflessness, kindness. So I've just kind of tried to take that wherever I go throughout my career. And it always seems to work out because, you know, people want to help people that are genuinely good people. So, yeah, I'd say those are the main takeaways from being abroad and Great advice. We spoke a little bit off camera, just um, you kind of mentioned the COVID year. Um, maybe this lines up with the Philippines contract that you had as well and some of the difficulties that uh, arise or arose. I don't know, I'm making up words yeah. today. But um, yeah, can you can you tell us a little bit about that and, and, you know, what that year was like and what you learned? Yeah, so Philippines is a top, top team. Um, they used to be called Sarah's Negros. Now they're called uh, United City. Um, so I was very happy to have the interest from them and to go and to sign with them. Um, unfortunately, COVID was really bad in the Philippines. So no foreigners were allowed in the country. We ended up having to do preseason in UAE. So we went to Dubai for preseason, which was an amazing experience. Had three friendly matches there that all went all went well. And then after that, we went to Uzbekistan for AFC Champions League group stage, um, which that's like the top level of football yeah. that you want to be on. And as, as a player playing in Asia, you want to be on that stage. Um, so after, after the AFC Champions League, we're supposed to go back to Philippines to start preparation for what was supposed to be the season, but the season ended up getting canceled. Um, but the foreign players weren't allowed to go to the Philippines. So we all got sent home and that was basically the end of my Philippines wow. journey right there. Wow. Damn. Completely out of your hands. 
yeah, just my 2021 was ruined from COVID. Yeah. At any at any time after that, did you think like it's time to hang up the boots, or was that never a thought in your mind? Never a thought in my mind. I, I've just that. been I've just been at the AFC Champions League group stage. There is no thought That's in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I got to get back to this. Yeah. Yeah, 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 no, I was just the after after that happened, like, yeah, it was obviously awful and everything, but I knew like COVID wasn't, I mean, obviously it's still around today, but it wasn't going to be like this thing that lasts forever to where everyone's just like closing their countries and stuff. I knew that part was going to like go away eventually. And now mm-hmm. everything's in Southeast Asia anyway, it's all open back up and everything's pretty normal. So, um, yeah, I knew I just had to wait and make sure I stay fit and keep playing. And that's where I signed for Syracuse. And mm-hmm. I actually spent preseason with USL championship side, um, Hartford athletic. So I was with them for a month, um, played against new England revolution. They're starting 11 actually. And that was a really good experience. It was at their stadium as well. Um, they had, they had like a CONCACAF, I think they had a CONCACAF champions league game, but it got, rescheduled or postponed or canceled or something like that so they needed a game and they ended up contacting us so we got to play against their starting team so that was like a that was a really cool experience um and then got to play against new york red bulls too as well um but yeah they just they had already signed three center backs that already played in the usl championship before i even got there so yeah it was always going to be an uphill battle but Mm-hmm. you know it was still good to stay fit or to get fit again because i it'd been a little while since i've played so it was good to get fit again and get games and stuff like that and then after that experience i ended up signing for syracuse pulse and nisa awesome then after the, after that time with syracuse that brought us to to now right you were only at syracuse for a little bit of time before coming back to cambodia yeah so i was i was i think i played Seven, seven or eight games with Syracuse Pulse, something like that. Um, and I'd signed after like three or f- I think three games were already played in the season. So, yeah, it was just a short time. But the coach knew that. I I had spoke to the coach before I came. We had been in talks before the season even started. He's a really good guy, Peter Fuller. Um, but he, he knew kind of like my plan and that I wanted to come in and get fit and to play games and to help the team as much as I could, but that my ultimate goal would be to go back abroad to, you know, the career that I've spent so many years building. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was kind of the plan from the start go in get games, help the team the best I can. Cause it's a brand new team. Like they literally started, they put that team together like two weeks before the first kick, the first game or something like that. So it was like a team that was thrown together. And mm-hmm. that, I mean, that team's just going to be an uphill battle all season, but they're actually doing, they're doing all right for um, what, you know, throwing a team together in two weeks. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but, but yeah. Great. All right. So, um, you know, just looking at the time, let's get right into our fast feet round. Just like a few quick fire questions and then we'll, right, uh, we'll end it up. Let me, let, me, let me look at these. All right. So favorite player growing up and now. Favorite player growing up, I would say Sol Campbell, center back. I loved watching him at Arsenal, but I also loved El Fenomeno, Ronaldo, the number nine. That's the reason I wear 99 is because number nine was my favorite number. And oh, center cool. back, yeah. center back had to had to find her way. No wonder you're a striker. 
Yeah. <laughs> I had to wear yeah. a nine on my shirt. <laughs> How about now? What? How Favorite about now? now? Do you have a current player or current player? Well, it was recently just Thomas Rosicki, but he retired. Um, wow. Now I would say I like Emil Smith Rowe a lot. I think he has a lot of potential. Um, yeah. Favorite moment in football? Definitely winning the league in Cambodia, going 25 games unbeaten. Yeah, it's tough to beat. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> really. And celebrating with just the English teammates. No one else. Yeah. <laughs> what a celebration. I got yeah. more celebrations after that. But like at that moment, it was just me and the English guy. <laughs> Most difficult moment? Um, Man. That's a hard one. I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. I can't I can't answer that off the top of my head. Okay. How about best advice you ever received? Hmm. I'd say definitely from my dad, just about, you know, enjoying your life, traveling, stuff like that, being kind to people. Love that. Yeah. Good advice. Favorite place you've lived? Uh maybe Thailand. Okay. Why? It's an amazing country it's cheap to live beautiful country the language is fun to speak um yeah i don't know i, I love cambodia a lot too but thailand's probably probably my favorite in southeast asia mm. best player you ever played against and with this this is probably going to be the same answer so there's a guy in indonesia right now he plays for bali united which are the champions in indonesia he played with me at Swaring in cambodia for two years it's from Cameroon. Um, I'd say he's probably the most difficult player that I've had to defend and I've also played against because he's just – he's got it all. Brain, technique, um, you know, he's just built like a little machine. So he can cut you. He can move so quickly. Uh, I'd say Privat and Barga is definitely one of, the, one of the best players I've played against and with. If you weren't a footballer, what would you be? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe a coach. I don't think I'd be a good coach, though. I don't know. I love football, though. <laughs> I think I'd have to Some, stay in something the football in football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Do you have a favorite Cambodian food or drink? There's a there's a food called a mok, which um, it comes in. Sometimes they bring it in like a coconut. I'm not exactly sure what it is exactly, but it's really good. There's like fish and milk, yeah. chicken and milk. That's really good stuff. Love it. Love that. Biggest cultural difference, adjustment, or something that's funny? Uh, not having toilet paper in the restrooms. Mm. It's just like that. some places. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have a favorite book? Hmm. I'm not. I'm not a big reader. I'm usually. Like I read articles and stuff like that that I see on, you know, on your phone or so I don't I don't really read too many books, to be honest. OK. Any quote that you live by? <sighs> not not one specifically, but I will say that um, faith is like a big part of my life, even though I'm kind of like private about being you know having as much faith as i do mm -hmm. um i'd say that's probably the even though it's not a quote it's like what drives me and what also like keeps me living the in you know the way i do and 
keeps me grateful for everything in life. Love it. Mm, absolutely. Love All right. It. Well, we got to let you go. You got to get off the training. I actually have to go somewhere as well. Yeah. So thank <laughs> we're, you. We're both off. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you for your time. We'll definitely. Yeah, have Johnny, thank you two. so much. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. You get enjoy back it. to guys, Champions League. Yeah, and, you guys are awesome. I appreciate you having me on. No, thank you. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to the next one. Yep. Thanks again. Make your path. Yes, sir. That's <laughs> yes, right. Yes, sir. That's right. Yes, sir. Big thank you to Johnny. Um, I'm I'm loving the guests again, man. It's just so nice to to take a a deep dive into their mindsets and their paths. And he has had such a unique one. Um, in preparation for this episode, I was doing a little reading, some articles. Uh, one from the Times News has this quote that really stuck with me, and I think just embodies this discussion today. Was I've rebuilt my football career on the side of the world, and I've been very happy ever since I've moved over here. And I think that is such an amazing thing, especially for, you know, our Americans or even Germans or any Europeans. We talk about the game of opinions and how, you know, you might not be able to make it one place. Sean and I couldn't really make it in the U.S. when we first started. You know, Johnny seemed to have trouble, too, even though he, he bounced around and had some better opportunities than us. But he was willing to take this chance on the other side of the world in a completely different culture. And that word rebuilt. I think is such an amazing thing because you have to know when you go out there, you didn't have those same opportunities. Like they might be on your CV and your resume, but you truly have to rebuild your career, be a new person, advertise yourself as this new player. And he's completely done that. Look at the places he's played. Look at the tournaments he's played in. Look at how he's made each contract come because he's just proved over and over. He's truly built a different career a new career on the other side of the world and look how happy he is that he's done it, you know, like, exactly. I mean, he's played at the highest level in, in Asia and in, in the champions league. I mean, and mm -hmm. that's coming from the U S where it was hard for him to, to get a sniff at the USL. Even when he did get on a team, he didn't play. And then, like you said, he dropped everything goes across the world, um, knowing nothing about Thailand. Mm -hmm. And then what is it now? Four five, six years later, he, you know, people know who he is over there. He has a name for yeah. himself. He's built it through consistent performances. Um, and like you said, taking care of himself, acting professionally and, and always mm -hmm. performing. will do that there. And that's, mm -hmm. that's great that he's done that. It's an example for everyone out there that if it's not working in your home country, sometimes you just need to leave and go somewhere else, make a name for yourself, start a new career, basically. And mm -hmm. you can, you can create whatever you want. That can be a good thing or a bad thing. It's totally up to you though. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, again, special thanks to Johnny. We're going to be following along with his season, posting things. Um, but you guys definitely follow Johnny. Johnny Campbell 99 on Instagram. Posts amazing updates about games um, and everything, you know, his journey and everything. So make sure you follow him. Make sure you follow, you're following us on all the socials. The TikTok dance videos are going crazy these days. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, all that free support, again, make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Uh, if you're subscribed to the newsletter, some great things coming from that. You also get all the updates, articles, merch release updates, all of those things before everyone else. So make sure you join the club at footwork.club. Anything else for the people, Sean? No, that's it. Well said. More to come. And, and, and sticking on that, it is great to have guests back. It's uh, yeah, I've missed it. It's nice. Yeah, yes. me too. Me too. So until next time, keep moving forward, keep learning, and make your own path.
Footwork is sponsored by ourselves and great companies such as Kong Fitness. But we love to partner with new brands that make their own paths, so get in touch if you must. Footwork.club, the official footwork website is now live, so make sure you go join the club and check out all the new content and all the new features. Find us on YouTube at Footwork Podcast. You better like and subscribe while you're there. If not, I don't know what to tell you. Find us on Instagram at Footwork underscore podcast. Great time there. Twitter at Footwork Podcast. TikTok at Footwork Podcast, where we like to post dance videos. Those are great, but more importantly, amazing content for any dream chasers out there. Plug, plug, pass. Tell your friends, your enemies, your mother, your brother, your sister, your pastor, it doesn't matter who. Tell the mailman, your dog, anybody that can listen. Like, subscribe, review, because all of that helps while you're there. We'll take whatever we can get to join the club. Join the club. He messed me up. I mean, he can just, he can just mash it together, so it's fine. (laughs) 